1: All Things in the Name of Love, with your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music was written and performed by Megan Moreau. Episode 26, The Power of Presence, Being Authentic, and Active Listening with Kirsten Anderson Hope. As a certified practitioner of the Quick Pulse, Body Talk, Hypnotherapy, and Coaching, Kirsten Hope loves to be a part of positive change and growth in her clients. In addition to her certifications, Kirsten has trained in several additional areas, including Reiki, neuro linguistic programming, the emotional freedom technique, business coaching, applied intuition, and group facilitation methods. In the midst of a personal healing crisis, Kirsten turned first to hypnotherapy and then to body talk and the quick pulse to heal herself from eight years of debilitating neck pain. Using these modalities, Kirsten was able to resolve the problems that had plagued her for years, including anxiety, fear, relationship issues, and belief systems that kept her limited in life. Since then, Kirsten has combined her personal experiences and expertise in the study of human behavior and energy therapy to offer her clients an unparalleled and effective experience. Whether you are seeking to create a healthier lifestyle, reduce stress, improve your relationships, or heal your mind and body. Working with Kirsten will give you the insight and clarity for these issues to resolve. Kirsten, I am so honored that you're here on the program today. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, you're welcome. I've been looking forward to this all day. So thank you for having me.
1: Oh, yay. You're welcome. Oh, man. So I have the honor of knowing you personally and what I love... Well, there are many things I love about you. But one of the things I love about you is your refreshing presence. Thank you.
2: That's really nice You're of welcome. you to say. And it's really nice to hear. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's just, it's,
1: I don't have to. I, I mean, I don't usually anyways, but but there's no there's no need for me to be anything other than me when I'm with you, because it's just this this opening welcome sense of hi i see you i see the divinity in you and we're just going to start from there and i just need to call that out and honor it so thank you
2: that ah. is great that's wonderful because that is always i mean that when i think about well, i was thinking about coming on on this episode today and i was like well what what do i have to say <laughs> you know what do i do and but really that you boiled it down so well you're so you're so good with your words But to be fully present with people. And honestly, I love people. Like I love, I think human beings, we are so interesting. Mm -hmm. Especially like with you, when you show up and you're all you and you're not hiding this place or hiding that place. And and you really have that willingness to be open. I just, I think it's so interesting. People are fascinating, aren't they?
0: I agree.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And especially when you can, when you have that intuitive sense and you sense there's something else. Right. And they don't want to say it. So you, you, you just sit there and hold space. And sometimes they'll actually share that thing. And that's what it's really a mad, it's just so magical because, because then you know that your, your presence is giving them the opportunity to expand into something more. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And I also think too, that that there's, I think people hold themselves back even from themselves. Like they don't want to say what they mm-hmm. need to say. And so to have somebody, whether it's me or anybody else, to sit with them and say, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay that you're, Mad or angry or sad or worried or or joyful or or whatever the case may be, to like have somebody just to say, you know, that's of course, of course, that's how it is for you. That's fine. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I I work mostly with women,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: almost primarily with women, and and then of course, subsequently, children and elders because they all kind of circle around women. Mm -hmm. But so many women. I find in my practice, they don't give themselves permission to, to have the experience they're having. They like justify it away. They compare it away. They're like, oh, well, you know, what right do I have to feel this way or that way? Because so-and-so over there is suffering more or, yeah. you know what I mean? And so just to have it be okay to be messy and to not have to justify your feelings to just say, this is how I'm feeling and not have to explain it or justify it. I think that's probably what you are talking about is that feeling of just, I think it's, it's all fascinating.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's not coming from a judgmental place. It's coming from, the, no. I want to hear you. I want, I, I want to be, yes. like that. and that's just so
2: liberating. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And having that third party just hold, like you said, hold that space without, without the agenda to fix it, without the agenda to do anything other than really, uh, like my whole quest, like if I'm talking to my neighbor or I'm talking to a client or I'm talking to my husband or my kids, I'm always just like, well, what's that like for you? you know, what, what is so, especially when people are talking about a diagnosis, right? So they might come in and they'll say, oh, well, you know, I have X, Y, Z. And maybe it's a diagnosis that's really common. And I'm always like, yeah, but I understand that languaging, but what's it like for you? Like what's like for you personally, what is it like? Mm. What are the feelings like? What are the sensations like? What is it like in your life? What is it? You know what what is that like? Wow. I think that's just I I could listen to people talk about that all day long.
0: (laughs) And sometimes I do, but
1: I just, you know, I just I love it. Yeah, and, and how few people get that degree of of acceptance. I mean that's that's such a gift. Right. Yeah. So is this something that you've always had or how have you cultivated it? What tell me about that.
2: Well, so my mom has described me in the past, not this isn't in the present. I think she's, you know, more Anyway, she has she has said in the past that I'm kind of like a bowl in a china shop. And what I take that and that sounds negative and I don't think that it was meant negative, but what that means is I'm always the person who's asking those questions. I'm, I've always been the person who is pushing just a little bit further, maybe, than the comfort zone of the person I'm with, especially, you know, with family and societal norms and stuff like that. I, because I really want to know what the truth is for you in this exact moment, knowing that it could be different tomorrow. It might have been different yesterday. And so that sort of questioning mindset is probably where that seed was planted. I've always just wondering, but wait, what's what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And and then following that and I remember when I was oh my gosh, I must have been 17-ish and I read this book, you might know it, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which I obviously don't agree with the premise anymore. It's very manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, what it did was it was the first sort of self-growth, self-improvement. I, I didn't even know that genre existed. And so it was the first time that I ever, like it clicked where I was like, oh, wait, I can, I can influence my experience. And one of the things, one of the tenets that that book teaches is to to quote unquote win friends is you get really curious about them. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I ever really had been before. And so because I had, I was in a place in my life where I was trying to build new friendships. I took that to heart and I'm a rule follower. So if they say ask questions about other people, that's exactly what I did. But what I found was that it was fascinating. Yeah. Not to win friends, that's sometimes a byproduct, but that's not even what I care about more than when you get really curious about the people who are in front of you, you learn so much more about the world, about them, about yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? Like that's, so probably that book, that silly book (laughs) is where it came from originally. That's awesome. Yeah, you just never know. You never know what's going to put you on a trajectory.
1: That I get. I, yeah. I never knew that when I was working at the main Folklife Center, digitizing audio, I would learn the innate skills of listening. Yes. And how to ask questions in ways that wouldn't get me a yes and no answer. Because I had countless hours of listening to really good interviews and really bad interviews. Mm-hmm. And did I know? Kind of, because I love listening to. Okay, you're probably my age or close to it. Uh, when I was little, I had this little record player, and there would be books, probably by Disney, and accompanying records.
2: I had that. I loved okay. that. And oh yes, you. yes, 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 yes. And I,
1: I was dyslexic, and this was how I learned to read.
0: Interesting.
1: And so I love storytelling so much mm. because that's what engages me. Right. So if I get the opportunity to hear a storyteller, man, I'm going to go to town with that. I'm going to ask as many questions as I can because then I'm going to get a really good story.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Then just the skeleton or the bare bones of the facts.
1: That's not nearly enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, want, no. I want, I want the whole story. There was a guy that I knew uh, named Sandy Ives and he founded the Maine Folklife Center. And Sandy was by far one of the best storytellers I ever knew. And uh, when I was in grad school, we'd get together us and a couple other people and for over, around, on holiday meals and I would always go up to Sandy and say, Sandy, tell me a story because I knew. And at, when I graduated, we had a party at one of my professor's houses because I had graduated off site, off cycle and Sandy was there and he was developing Alzheimer's. And I sat next to him and I did my, it's going to make me cry. I said, Sandy, tell me a story.
0: And he couldn't remember any. Mm. Yeah. but He was such a powerful
1: storyteller because he knew. And I think you and I share that, that curiosity, like that whole, how do you get that person to tell those stories that they don't think are relevant?
2: And that's it. Exactly. They don't, they don't understand. Or see, think of them as having any significance. But how lucky for you, how lucky that you were in a position to recognize the gift that he had and still has inside of him somewhere. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Where you were cognizant enough to ask those questions, to ask him to tell you those stories. So you have that experience.
1: Yeah, and, and he completely influenced me in terms of how I listen. Mm. Mm-hmm, yes. Because active listening is such a lost art, and yet it's one of the most powerful ways we can
2: connect. Right, because there is there's this stillness and active listening that happens. I think a lot of times in our conversations or our dialogue in everyday life, we're listening for, I mean, this is common knowledge. We're listening for, you know, what we're going to say next. We're, you know, we're, we're cutting people off. And in my day-to-day life, I have to say, I do tend to cut people off, especially my kids. (laughs) I try not to, but, To be able to pause and really listen and give them that space to take that turn into another path where maybe they wouldn't have if we had just been listening for what we wanted to say next.
1: Mm -hmm. So true.
2: It allows that story to develop.
1: And then in, in the application of what you do to figure out how to help them.
2: Well, and I don't do the helping. So helping is, is source energy for sure. But one of the That's things cool. that I do is I'm really good at recognizing patterns. Mm-hmm. So someone might come in and, you know, they, you know, most people are a little bit flustered when they get there. They've driven there or in the bus or whatever, and or I'm talking to them on the phone or, and mm-hmm. life has happened, right? So we kind of do a little debrief, you know, how was your day, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. They tell me all this and then we talk about, you know, what do you, you know, what's on your mind? What do you want to dress today? You know, and so on. And so then they talk down that tangent and I ask my questions and pretty soon a pattern will emerge. And when we're in it, when we're the one, you know, doing the talking and the experiencing, it's really hard to see those patterns for me, it's really, really easy. So I'll say, oh, well, you know, that is exactly what you were talking about when you first came in. There's that correlation there. And, it, you know, and so, or if it's somebody that I've worked with over a series of time, it's really easy to look back and see. It's, of course, it's always easy to see somebody else's patterns, but in that environment, it's a safe environment to say, well, let's look at this pattern, whether it's a physical pattern whether it's an emotional pattern, or a response pattern, an activity pattern, that there are global patterns to our lives and to our events and to our choices, and so to be able to reiterate that back to them, and then do the energy healing around that, if it's a priority, is just a beautiful unfolding.
1: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. because you know there are our subconscious. What is it? 90% of how we operate is yes. in our subconscious. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of overwhelming. Right. <laughs> right. I don't want to know that I have, I mean, I accept it, but it's, it's, I, I this probably my ego saying it. It's disconcerting to me that I have so many patterns that I'm not even aware of that control how I show up in the world.
2: Me too. me too absolutely because nobody's immune to that right there are people who have practices daily practices that help them recognize those patterns more easily or more thoroughly for sure and i know you're one of those people Mm -hmm. like i am as well but does that mean that we don't ever have patterns absolutely not (laughs) you know (laughs) right right it's we're human. We have bad days, we have good days, we get sick, we get healthy, we're happy, we're sad, we're angry, we are reactive, we're responsive, we're all of that. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what in my practice, anyways, that's what I bring to it is just I am never one to sit there in my, you know, office or whatever, act like acting like I've got it all figured out because I don't. I know what I do well. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful, <laughs> right? I, I do all of my personal care practices so that I can show up. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is relevant to any, any career choice, right? Yeah. Whether you are an accountant or sales or whatever the case may be, is when you do your personal work, you're more able to show up and show up fully for whatever is in front of you, whether that's a customer or a client or a computer or an audio you know, program, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I'm not, I know when I'm
1: not doing a meditation every day or this new practice that you and I do of, of dancing right. for 11 minutes a day, I mean, look <laughs> think, think at how radical of a concept that is to most people. Like, yeah, 11 minutes a day. I just dance.
2: Right. What right. does that mean? It means I play and I forget myself exactly and for me personally because i tend to like to rise up, reside up in my head <laughs> mm-hmm. is it gets me back into my body it brings in the, and i can also get a little bit serious and so you know i was telling you before we started recording that i dance to disco <laughs> right and so i'm listening to casey and the sunshine band shake your booty donna summer you know i mean like all of it celebration i've heard these songs a million times and i will crank that radio up or stereo up and i'm just dancing around i used to be a a dancer and i was a a fitness instructor right so i do all my little aerobics moves and i imagine myself i love weddings i love going to weddings where there's like dance music, you know, and my husband mm-hmm. and I, we just get out there and just we are not great dancers by any stretch. But I'm up there with my arms up in the air and we're dancing around. I was just telling him the other day, I'm like, maybe maybe we should have like uh not a, a vowel renewal, but like a wedding without the wedding where we just play wedding music and we get all of our family and friends together and we just like dancing our butts off, you know, and just <laughs> That's awesome. He's like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, come on, it would be so fun. Yeah. But you know, but it's, it's not so much what we're doing. The dancing, of course, is important. But for me personally, it was in that moment, I was, I was telling you before that I had danced right before this call because I felt my energy was, it wasn't low in a negative way, but it was very sedate, Right. And I was like, I don't want to start that call with Erica in a really sedate, serious, meditative state. I want to raise my vibration. And I know that dancing is one of the ways that I do that. I can also watch something really funny. I can play with my dog. I can, you know, do art or whatever, cook. Mm -hmm. But dancing was, was the order of the day. So that's what I did.
1: Which oh, is so beautiful. And, and that awareness that you bring to it of, of, oh, I'm feeling not in my best state. So what can, what is a go-to thing that I can do right now that is going to shift myself out of that state into something that
2: feels where I want to be? Right, exactly. And what I would add to that is that it kind of goes back to intention. Like I of course, I knew we were going to be having this conversation today, and I meditated on that, and I really explored what I, want, what I wanted that experience to be for me, because I can't control you. I don't know what your experience is going to be, but of course, my intention was that it would be great for you too, right? And, and I, I knew that I really wanted to have this conversation with you and feel fun and light and in spirit. And, and dancing today was the way that I got there, but it it goes back to that of, you know, what do I want my, that, what do I want to go into that experience with? Because we have no idea what's going to unfold from there. But what we do have control over is managing our energy levels and our emotive states and so on. And so that's, I guess that's why I, why I did the Mm -hmm. disco dance. Fun. And because fun. And my dog came in and she jumped up on my legs and she was dancing too and
0: yeah it was
1: fun that's awesome well and, and you know that's something that's that's part of the self-care yes right is and and that's something you know especially women we we trip ourselves up with that all the times like well i i don't i don't have time for or i don't think i'm worthy or like you can dance Yes. That's a thing you can do. You can just play, you can sing to the top of your lungs off key. It doesn't really matter. If you do something that's going to shift you out of that worry state, that's self-care. And that's really important.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's just, I think the other thing too, is we, I can only speak for myself. In the past, I was always waiting For something to happen outside of myself to have a feeling state. So, Mm. you know, when we had kids, there were some times when we were really financially tight, you know, and and so I would think, oh, well, if we just get some money in, then I would feel X, Y, Z, or if uh, my husband's name is Jeff, if Jeff would just say X, Y, Z, or do X, Y, Z, then I would feel A, B, C, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm. And a couple of years ago, I was like, what, Kirsten, what, 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 what are you doing? You're waiting, yeah. you're putting your emo- emotional state on somebody else. And Jeff was really good. He would always say, mm, that's not my job. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> if cool. you're not feeling great, it is not my job to make you feel good. That's your job. And we've had this conversation many, many times. And it's, <laughs> We are constantly revisiting it in various ways because we've both grown in that regard. Mm -hmm. But I don't wait now for that external factor to come in. If I want to feel abundant, for example, going back to that, what I was talking about before when the kids were little, if I want to feel abundant, I'm going to do something right now today that elicits that sensation Mm -hmm. in whatever way I can. Or if I want to feel a vitality, vitality is one of my huge, like. I, don't, I can't think of the word, where I value vitality, that sense of feeling alive. I value that almost above anything else. So if I'm not feeling that really strong sense of vitality, I'm asking myself all the time, well, what is it that I need? to feel that sense of vitality. Do I need to express myself? Do I need to say something? Do I need to let something go? Do I need to do some energy work? Do I need to dance? You know, Do I need to go outside? But something to ignite that and reignite that sense of vitality.
1: Mm. That is such a profound level of awareness of yourself and your needs.
2: Yes. Of not putting it in other people's or other circumstances' hands.
1: Yeah. That's a big shift.
2: Right. Because here's the other thing too. It is the greatest gift of love you can give somebody is to let them off the hook of meeting your needs. Mm. I went through this, uh, I guess I would call it an emotional crisis several years ago. And I was convinced that my husband and my husband was not the man for me. And he knows this. I mean, I was just like, no, I, I'm going to be independent. I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And, and we had this really several conversations where we finally got to the point where we were both a hundred percent okay with it working out or not working out, mm. you know? And so when, when, We let ourselves off the hook for our marriage looking and being and continuing in the way that we were taught it was supposed to, or we believed it was supposed to, it absolutely transformed. Mm. That is so liberating. Right. Because up until that point, I, I mean, I really, truly thought it was his job to make me happy.
0: Right, because that's what we're taught.
2: Right. And that's
0: not fair. Absolutely not. But have No, not at all. And 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 having that that awareness come
1: in to take that responsibility off you is such a relief.
0: Right.
2: And vice versa.
0: I have a tendency
2: to want to and I think it's just from being together for so long. Is, is I'm very attuned to his emotional states, mm-hmm. and so I'll, a lot of times I'll be like, "So what's going on with you? You know, why why are you feeling that way?" And he's just like, "I just am. You don't. It's not your job to fix me." I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right. All right, go on, go on, whatever." <laughs> you <know>? That's beautiful. <laughs> because there's, there's two sides of that equation, which is I let him off the hook of meeting my needs, but then I have to allow him to let me off the hook and I have to allow myself off the hook of meeting his needs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a, it's a process. It's a, it's a, it's a habit. It's an
2: absolute habit. Yeah. Sometimes I'll say things and I'll be like, why did I even ask him that question? I don't even care. Like, I mean, like, no, oh, oh, you seem grumpy today. Why is that? And I'm thinking to myself, it's not my business. He'll te- if he wants to tell me, he'll tell me. Yeah. My business is me. Yep. Yeah, that's,
1: that is a shocking concept. And it's the same with
2: kids or our parents yeah. or our bosses or, you know, <laughs> is it's... Yeah. It's not our job to fix everyone or everything. Does that mean that we lay down and we just don't do anything? No, but you pursue the things that, for me anyway, I pursue the things I'm really curious about. I pursue the things that are interesting to me. Yeah. And those will lead me towards doing good work in the world, whatever, however that
0: looks. Mm-hmm.
1: And by focusing on you, as opposed to trying to fix everyone else, you're going to have the energy you need to show up for what you do best. Correct. And that's, sadly, something too many people think is a selfish
2: thing. Well, now see, selfish is such an interesting word. I hear hear that word lobbed around a lot. I'm sure, there, I, I and I'm sure there are people in my life who think I'm selfish and that's, that's their prerogative. Right. But I don't, I guess because selfish, it, self, pre- okay, okay you're, good. You're but selfish when it by is way. said by, by people, it's said as if it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's like, it's, oh, they're selfish or I, I, I couldn't do that. That would be too selfish. And, I guess I don't understand, and I, I wish I could recall it now. But I did read it. I did read a difference between being selfish and self care. But and there it, there is a fine line where you are putting your needs above everybody else's at their detriment. That would be selfishness. But when you're putting your needs, quote unquote, above, I don't necessarily believe in that hierarchy. I'm going to use that word because I don't have a better one but when you're putting your needs above other people's so that so that their needs can be met too so that you can come together and have an ex, a, an experience i think that's not selfish and if that takes you 4 hours of a self-care routine in a day or 20 minutes then then that's not selfish
1: no no because i, I know for myself if i don't do my daily practices I don't feel the best I can feel and I, I'm never going to be the best. I'm going to feel every single moment of the day, but, right. but the practices enable me to nourish myself emotionally, spiritually, physically. And when I don't do them, I'm pretty lousy to live with.
2: I'm neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> If I haven't done, so my husband just, he just gives me crap all the time. And Jeff is just the nicest guy, but I was telling him the day, I'm like, you know, my morning routine is four hours. How lucky am I that I have created this life for myself where I have four hours and you know, he jokes. So he's like, Oh gee, what do you have like a three o'clock client? So you're getting up at eight. (laughs) But but I know that, I mean, I know that if I don't take that time for myself in the morning and kind of to check in with myself and be still throughout the day, I am so neurotic. I get up into everybody's business. I start thinking about what everybody should or shouldn't be doing. And I can't believe they did this and that. And You know, all of that sort of those, that mind chatter that is just this constant barrage of opinions and judgments and planning and to-do lists. And, and I, I can just get consumed with that. Hmm. I have to meditate a couple times a day. Yes, I do once a day, but then at the end of the day... At the end of the day, I really feel into my feelings of, you know, of Mm -hmm. what happened that day. Is there any feeling left that I'm still carrying around, you know? Mm -hmm. Did I have an experience that I brushed off because I was too busy to feel it? And I'll do that. Oh, you're doing high-end. And granted, my four-hour routine includes exercise and getting ready for the day. So to be fair, I'm not sitting there meditating for four hours. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would be,
1: be like wow I wish I could do that I haven't gotten there yet no but I do I do a morning meditation I pull my cards I do my readings like I'm a good 45 <laughs> right. minutes and then I get hungry so I have to pause and eat and then, <laughs> and then I continue then I continue because it's just so important to me to feel that that
2: sense of myself. Exactly. And there's so many things that are vying for our attention that are so seductive in pulling us away from our, that present moment, that, that experience that we're having right now. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I'm, it's so easy for me to pull out my phone and, you know, mm-hmm. look at pretty pictures on Instagram or whatever. And and then I'm like, what? Stop. Just stop and breathe. Feel your heart. You know, I often I'll put my hand on my heart to really get myself grounded and centered back into my body and then move forward. Because I, mm-hmm. social media, phones, computers, to-do lists, activities, I think that a lot of them are great. They can oftentimes push into the arena of just um, the habit of distraction. you know I, I think mm-hmm. right now see, see I don't know if it's gotten better or if I'm just around people who don't adhere to this i think i I think I've changed who I hang out with actually, but in our culture, especially in American culture there is this fervor around busyness, you know, Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm so busy. And I, you know, I, I, I will beat myself up too about not being busy and like, wait, but I don't even want to be busy. Why am I beating myself up about not being busy when that's not even something I want. (laughs) And I just, I find it really, when people use it in a bragging way, I just, I, I, it's a turnoff for me, but but I do think, too, that being busy is a way that we distract ourselves from any discomfort yeah. that is happening in our experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. I know. I know with my personal journey, and I'm much, much, much more aware now, but when I started, if there was something that felt discomfort, like if I was uncomfortable, I'd go two days of avoiding. Oh, Yeah. Like I, and I'd watch myself, I'd do stuff I didn't even care about just to please your God. Don't let me look at the thing that I'm supposed to look at that will make my life easier once I actually do it. Right. Right. Because it's scary. Right. Exactly. I don't do that anymore, but like, I think it's a day at the most, if it's really bad, I'll, it'll be a whole day and I'll, let my, and I'll let myself do it because I know it's like, okay, this is scary. This is new. You need time to process it. That's fine. You have a day,
2: right? That's great. That you can kind of you. It's it's almost like you're giving yourself the safe container, mm-hmm. you know, of of compassion with some boundaries. Yeah, I need them. Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: I need boundaries.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we all need boundaries. Boundaries are good. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. It's it's. I,
2: how, how long
1: have you been on your spiritual journey? Well,
2: since I read that book, <laughs> <laughs> okay. "How to Win Friends and Influence People." I, I seriously, I, I mean, I seriously believe that. I remember being in college and being really. Curious. I wouldn't have called it a spiritual journey then. I don't even think I knew what the word spiritual meant, right? Because I would say like personal growth. I, I mean, I have been fascinated with personal growth. I, I think of myself, my body, and my mind, and my spirit, and my relationships as the ultimate experiment.
3: Mm. Like
2: I always am experimenting with what I can, you know, how I can push the limits of my body. How I mean, just what Just really exploring the potential
0: mm. I like that.
2: Of, of what's in front of me. And so, yeah, I would say back when I was in high school wow. or early college, somewhere in there. Not to say that I was self-aware by any stretch of the imagination in college. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know many people who are. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, not at all. In college, I think I was drunk
3: <laughs> pretty much of,
2: the entire time. Oh. But, but in between those bouts, I was thinking and thinking about what am I doing? And not to say that I was very successful in doing anything about it at that time. I didn't have the maturity to do that. Right. It was always in the back of my mind. I always kind of had a book on the table that I was kind of exploring or reading or I was curious about, you know, I was always curious about past lives. I was curious about karma. I was curious about interpersonal relationships. I was curious about, you know, all of those types of things.
1: Oh, shoot. I just had a question. Give me a second. Okay. So as you've gotten older and as you have, I'm not sure if embrace is the right word, but that's the word that's coming through. Dietary changes, have you sensed your spiritual practices getting deeper?
2: Yes. So one of the things I know about doing, and I think of my work as a spiritual practice as well. Yeah. So I've noticed a a while ago, a couple of years ago, that I gave better, deeper sessions if I had not eaten anything. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So I always go to work
1: on an empty stomach, always. Oh, interesting. I hope you schedule morning (laughs) (laughs) things.
2: I don't. I I book from the afternoon up because I'm not a morning person because I'm so busy doing that four hours. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, so I always go with an empty stomach because I have found that not eating for work I it's it's easier, it flows better. The sessions are deeper. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Interesting. And I can't remember your question. Your question was something around dietary changes. Yeah. Oh, dietary changes and if they deepen my spiritual practice. Well, fasting is a good one. Yes, I'm a really good faster. So yeah. Fasting is a natural, it is my natural way of eating anyways. Okay. So intentional fasting is not a big deal for me. I do understand that it is for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but for me, it's not. That's my preferred state is to be in a fasting state. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love my fasting days.
0: Interesting.
1: Hmm. I think if I didn't swim, that would probably be better for me to do. Right right I get a little ravenous on swim days
2: <laughs> right I know yeah I you know it's funny so I'm a runner and I find that running uh, staves off my hunger quite a bit really
1: Hmm. interesting mm-hmm. not so much with swimming
2: yeah but you know it, what fasting did for me was it really forced me to sit with Was I really, the question of, am I really hungry or do chocolate chips just sound good? (laughs) You know, Mm, am I really hungry or do I just feel like it's time to eat? Am I really hungry or is it, or did something upsetting just happen? And that one actually is a really big one for me. Mm. Like fasting is easy unless I am upset, unless something has, you know, rocked my emotional world. Then I'm suddenly not so good at fasting and I really and and if it's a if it is a scheduled fasting day, then I do, you know, I'm like, well, that's that option of numbing out is off the table. You need to go sit down.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. I I have noticed that so I've had a long journey of giving up foods. And this
1: year in the past four months, I've given up chicken and I've given up most fish and I'm gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, coffee-free. Ditto, 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 ditto. ditto, ditto. And (laughs) like when, when, when my ego looks at it, it's like, I've given up so much food. Right. When it's only seven food groups. But what, has resulted from me eating more cleanly is that my third eye aches all the time. I get downloads all the time. I get these beautiful nudges of what am I going to do next? If I stop myself and I tune in, I get these beautiful unfoldings.
0: Yes.
2: And I wouldn't get them if I was eating how I used to eat. You know what? just came to mind. So this is Mm -hmm. so interesting. I've actually been noticing this for a little while now, but I hadn't put it together until I heard you say that, which is why conversation is so fun. Mm -hmm. Is that the one thing that has changed, so I, the the dietary changes that you talked about, I was sort of doing, and then I really buckled down May 1st. And since then I haven't had meat. I'll do fish if, if I you know, if, if I'm up in our cabin and somebody caught it, I, I have no problem eating that fish. But other than that, not so much. But um, and I was a full-on meat eater before that. I mean, I was like meat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, hands wow. down. But one of the things that I've noticed is that spirits come and visit me through my olfactory senses. It's you saying that your third eye throbs and stuff. I get sensations in my nose, mm. but then also I'll be sitting there and I'll smell perfume and, the, and I'm alone in my office wow. or I'm alone at home. I, I have not really smelled any unpleasant smells That's to good. date. Check That's back. <laughs> 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 Check back when I have to, you know, forego my next food group. Oh, but fantastic. yeah. I don't, I don't really know what to That's make of that yet, except for the fact that all of a sudden I smell, usually it's a perfume and there are various perfumes. Oh, fascinating.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, I get a deeper sense of knowing and around anywhere between three and six in the morning, I'll have these very vivid dreams and I'll, I'll definitely be channeling energy. Like I will just feeling it pouring through me. And it's like, okay, this is, this is not, it is me and it's more than me.
2: So you, are you in like a semi-conscious state, like a lucid state?
1: Yeah. And okay. we have a we have a grounding pad that's, we have a metal bed frame and Steven put copper wire on it. So our bed is grounded. Mm, mm-hmm. So I'll grab onto the metal frame and I'll, I'll be grounded. That's so cool. So I'm in my body. It's it's a brilliant idea. I was proud of him for that one Mm, because I have I have a grounding pad under my under my desk too because we're on a fifth floor of an apartment building so I need that so so I am fully grounded Mm, in mm -hmm. my body and I'm feeling this energy flow through me and it's just fascinating because I know that's that's that non physical energy that we can't explain in the 3D but I know it's real because I feel it
2: yes. I feel that when I'm doing sessions with people or talking to people, I feel like I almost have this, hmm, I'm in my body, but I'm, I'm more of my body. So I'm not, and so when I'm doing sessions or talking to people, they'll say, okay, now what did you say? When you said, mm-hmm. will you repeat what you said? I'm like, yeah, nope. <laughs> that was just Nope. It's just coming down and through. Although what's interesting is I don't take notes. Or anything when I'm working with clients. And, you know, they leave or we hang up or whatever. And I'm, you know, I might think about them a couple of times throughout the day, but I'm not sitting there, you know, thinking about my clients a whole lot unless I'm intending to. Yet the minute I hear their voice, whether in person or on the phone, I can almost remember exactly Mm -hmm. every detail of what we talked about before. It just like, it just drops in. Wow. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. I used to take copious notes. Wow. And now I find that I remember more by not taking notes because like we talked about before circling back, it's that experience of being fully present. When you are fully present with a person, you do remember.
1: Mm -hmm. Because you're so fully engaged. Exactly.
2: Exactly.
1: And you can't not because you're paying attention. You're using all of your senses, right? So you know what they smell like. You know what they're wearing. You know what they've had to eat or drink. Mm-hmm. You know At the some s- level. You standard. do. You do know. Yeah. All that. Mm-hmm. Because because if you're engaged, and I have this tendency when I'm I'm talking to someone. I lean in. I if you could see me now, I'm leaning in because I'm 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 really engaged in listening to you. It's not it's not like oh yeah, I've got something else to do. I'm I, there's nothing distracting me. I, mean, I don't want anything to distract me because I I want to fully hear what you're saying because it's important to me. Right.
2: Yes, and you know there are. I think that is a unique experience to. To be on the receiving end of that and also to be on the giving end of that. It's beautiful regardless of what bookend you're at. You know? Mm -hmm. And so I strive to do that with the people in my life.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, just to be present with them.
1: The only downside that I've seen is that sometimes when I'm not planning on communicating with anyone. Uh, I have people telling me their life stories.
2: Oh, that happens to me. (laughs) That's so funny because when I'm out with Jeff or the kids or whatever, we're shopping or whatever, people, they do, they come up and they'll, you know, I tend to be pretty conversational. I'm an introvert Mm -hmm. by nature, but when I'm out and about, I try to make a point to really Mm -hmm. sincerely engage with the people who are helping me, whatever. And, and not everybody's up for that and that's fine, but people will tell me their, yeah, their life stories, like you say, and we'll walk out and Jeff or one of the kids will be like, that never happens to me. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. It happens to me all the time. I love it. But here's the thing. It goes yeah. back to that place of curiosity and pure, sincere interest, not interest with an agenda, not interest with an end game in mind or anything like that, but just pure, like, you are a really fascinating person. I really wonder what your life is like right now in this very moment. That's
1: slightly different than my, I'll give you an example. So my example that I'm going to give is Steven and I were in, at Moosehead Lake in Maine, and I had old, old cross-country skis, and I needed new binding. So I go up to the owner and I ask him a question about binding because you know, I want to know the prices. I don't have my skis with me, but I'm just curious to get a gauge on it. Right. Forty five minutes later, <laughs> I know his grandfather's name. I know the history of the family in Moosehead Lake. I know the story of the trappers in Moosehead Lake. Like everything that could possibly ever happen in Moosehead Lake, I learned just because I asked a question about binding.: Yes. And I, I wasn't interested in it. I just got it because he sensed it. He was like, "Oh my gosh, this person isn't going to blow me out. She's going to listen." Right. But don't
2: you think, too, that that is what we're all craving for? Yeah, are craving, is. excuse me, that's what we're craving is we're craving. We're craving to be listened to. We're, mm-hmm. cra- we're craving not being shut off. And I think that that goes for a lot of people, it goes all the way back to when they were kids. It certainly goes back to when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure for looking at how I was parenting my kids when they were little, it will go back to when they were children, Yeah, which is getting cut off, getting, you know, you know, I could, I could, I could personally, I could only listen about Legos and Pokemon (laughs) for so long. And I was like, Oh my gosh, please stop. You know? So I can already tell you yeah. that my kids will probably be like, I just want somebody to listen to me. But you know, I had this experience with my son, and he is just, I well, obviously I love all my kids, but we have three. And our middle child, Thomas, he's any motor. He would, he would, if he listens to this, he'll he will be like, Yep, that's me. Right. And I didn't As a parent, know how to deal with somebody who really expresses their emotions incredibly loudly and persistently. It was very Mm. uncomfortable for me, partly because I was uncomfortable with my own, with those emotions within me, right? So, Mm -hmm. looking back as a parent, I was uncomfortable with expressing anger and blame and blah, 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 blah. So, of course, the source and universe gives me this child who that's what he was all about at that age. And it was super uncomfortable for, for me. So I just basically would be like, hey, you need to go in your room. You need to either go run around the yard or go in your room because I can't, I can't listen anymore. And, and this was, again, a part of my whole self-growth journey, spirituality. And I had gone to this um, shamanic journeying class. And I was going to pick him up from soccer practice. He was probably, I can't remember how old he was, maybe... Maybe fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I must have had some sort of an altercation with him earlier in the day because I was getting ready to pick him up, and I was just I, w- I did a little shamanic journeying right then and there, asking the spirits to please tell me what what can I do to really help him in his life, in managing his emotions and, and all of that? And you know, I was very cognizant of, of trying not to shut his his individuality down. Mm -hmm. But at the same respect, I mean, we also had to like live in the the world. And so what I was shown was they said you need to you just need to listen to him. Just listen. Don't redirect, don't reframe, don't look on the bright side, don't don't interrupt, just listen. And so we got home and the next time he had, he was having a tantrum and I, I warned my husband. I said, okay, this is, this is what came to me. This is what I'm going to try next. Mm. And so Thomas was, you know, having a big fit about something and, and, and I had told him, I'm like, go in your room and feel those feelings. And I went up there and I sat on his bed and I was like, tell me all about it. And I said, I'm not going to interrupt you. Mm. I'm not going to give you advice. I'm not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing. Just tell me what's going on. And he was like, sí. blah, Because mm. he can really go on. Blah, 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 blah. And, he, and he, would wa- he would start to wind down. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I looked at him and I said, oh, it sounds so hard. What else? And he would, oh, my god!" And he would he would, you know, just burst out, you know, and then he would kind of wind down. And we went through that cycle over, like especially this first time. We went through that cycle over and over. And he was mad and he was screaming and he was yelling. And I was just super still in my body. And to, to put it in reference, what I would have done previously is I would have been constantly trying to reframe him. I would have constantly been trying to give him well, look at it this way. Well, look at it that way. Well, what about this? And and I didn't do any of that. And it was probably two hours wow. of him, I know, of him winding down and then me saying, what else? That's all I did as I just kept saying, what else, what else, what else? And then he eventually crawled over into my lap. And I mean, he was, you know, he was When you're getting to the fifth and sixth grade, you don't typically crawl on your mom's lap a whole lot at that point. He crawls over and he's just like, thank you. He's like, you just understand. And I was just, I mean, I, it was just like, I felt like the angels were singing. They were just like, and that's what we just continue to do. Every time he had, you know, a fit, I would just listen. and and not be thankful when, he, when it died down, but egg him on a little bit more. Yeah. And he's 22 now. And he still does it sometimes. You know, and that's okay. I mean, you talk about, I, I've heard you talk on, on your podcast before and, and you and I have had these conversations in our, the different groups that we're in is you talk about it really encouraging somebody to feel your feelings. That's what I was doing unbeknownst to me. That's amazing. But I think, that, yeah, and thank goodness for that journey in class to bring that to my attention because I I would not have come to that on my own by any stretch. And so, but I do think that that is what we're all craving. We all just want to say what we need to say. Right. And let that be enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm. Thank you for showing us that example because that's, that's so powerful. And it's such a, I won't say it's simple, but it's needed. Well, it is simple. It's not easy.
2: It's not easy when it's five o'clock and dinner needs to be made, you know, and Mm -hmm. homework needs to be done. But it was so necessary. And it was, it, for me, it was a gift to myself because it was the first time I parented, well, one of the first times that I really parented from a place of authenticity rather than what I was taught or what I read in a book, you know, or what was modeled to me by, you know, various friends or people that I knew that had kids is, is that that was something that, that was unique. It felt really good. But it also fit his personality. If I had gone to one of my other children and said, tell me more, tell me more, that would not have fit their personality at all. So it's very situational and it depends on the person.
1: Sure does. I mean, that, that's the thing with, with school is it's, learning is such an individualized thing. And to try to teach 30 kids with all... 30 different learning styles. I don't know how teachers do it.
2: I have so much respect for teachers and educators. I mean, I got to tell you, I just, it is incredible what they do for our children. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I can't even express what, what, educators do for our children even like my kids two of my kids are still in college or our kids are still in college and in fact our youngest was telling us about a conversation she had with she she was living with my brother over the summer for work and so okay. she was kind of off with another set of adults and they were having some sort of a dinner get together and and one of the people at the dinner party said something to her that really landed that really helped her see something from a different perspective now i can't remember where i was going with that <laughs> I totally lost my train of teaching. teaching oh a just that that everybody is educating and just that the influences that adults have on children by example by what they do by what they don't do by what they acknowledge but what they don't acknowledge and just that
0: it's incredible
3: um,
2: it's incredible, but I think the biggest thing that anybody can do for kids is to is to allow them, not allow—that's not the right word—to encourage them to question what and why. And mm-hmm. I can say, as a parent, I did not appreciate being questioned. My what and why, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish going back. I wish I if I wish I had the information that I do now. I would probably parent quite differently. But I also know in the way that the universe right. works, it was perfectly aligned with what was meant to be. But in any case, because not to say that they sh- need to be questioning the what and why, because they need to question you as a person, but to teach them that it is okay to teach them to work that muscle. Because as Mm -hmm. adults, how many times have I found myself doing something where I never questioned the what and the why? I'm just doing it because Mm -hmm. everybody before me did it, or everybody around me is saying Mm -hmm. that that's how you're successful, or that's what success is, or or what have you and i didn't i didn't ever question the what or the why but when you do even if you end up doing the same thing you don't change your behavior you're doing it for your own personal reasons not just by rote
0: i heartily agree and my darling we are over a, we are over an hour which does not surprise
1: me
2: i love talking yeah. to you
1: well are there any final comments you would like to share with me
2: boy i'm trying to think about what we talked about we talked about a lot of things but no i feel like you know i just i love what you're doing erica i love what you're bringing out into oh, the world and offering out into the world not only with the guests that you have but just how you are. You are so enthusiastic. You are so self-aware, yet also vulnerable in your humility. its We're all in it together. Everybody's figuring it I guess that's what I'd also say too, is that everybody, I mean, it's just such a cliche, but I see it over and over and over again in my clients and in myself is we are all doing the best we can. We're all doing the best we can with what we know today Mm -hmm. and tomorrow might be different and the next day might be different and just because we said we believe something one day that doesn't mean that we're going to believe it the next day and that's all okay that means we're evolving Mm
1: -hmm. it sure does and boy are we evolving
2: (laughs) yes If anybody's listening to your podcast, they are evolving. They are on the evolving track of moving in towards a a felt sense of vitality and freedom and authenticity. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: The action item of the week is to pay attention to how you show up when you're engaging in a conversation. Are you fully listening? If not... See what you can do to tune into getting genuinely curious. That's it. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love and prosperity. Namaste. Can you
0: help me redefine